Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts. Jessica. And I am Chris Eaton. Oh, my lordy, Jessica. <laughs> you know, I just put up an episode nearly a week ago. And, you know, normally we take, like, two weeks in between. And, you know, the last episode, I'm like, yeah, we're going to, you know, the game's going to get together. We're going to try, you know, get Mark back on the show. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the the 60th anniversary of the release of Godzilla in America. And then a bunch of other crap avalanches, thus forcing our hands into more news. But uh, it's important stuff. Yes, it is. It was like a multiple avalanche. So... Yeah, and thus has created quite cont- much contention amongst the fan communities in the last few days. And I'm like, nah, we can't sit on this for like two weeks. We gotta, we gotta talk about it now. So, um, not beating around the bush. Uh, earlier last week, uh, almost, you know, I'm not surprising. Uh, Warner Brothers announced they were pushing Godzilla back by about eight months from May, from June to March. Almost akin to what they did with uh, Batman vs. Superman, where it was in that summer slot, and then they pushed it. Actually, it was initially supposed to be in Christmas, and then they pushed it to May, and then they pushed it back. But this, kind of like that, where there was going to be a thick amount of competition, including Jurassic World 2 that same day, ironically being produced probably by the same people. So... Warner Brothers thus setting up this giant, you know, kaiju shared universe with uh, King Kong. They obviously don't want Godzilla 2 to stumble before they get to King Kong versus Godzilla. So they announced, hey, we're pushing Godzilla 2 back yeah, a few months. You know, it's nothing, not, it's not too bad. You know, it's, not, it's nothing catastrophic. So everyone's like, well, all right, I guess. Less than 48 hours after that. Bigger news breaks, and it's that Gareth Edwards has exited Godzilla 2, and <laughs> the best way to describe it is that it was, it was, it was like torn right down the middle of, of, yes. of, of opinion. Yes, it was, it was, it flooded, like, I, I saw it on my Facebook newsfeed, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I've kind of had a really hectic last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that, uh, you know, my, my mother was actually overseas in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole, there's a time difference. Anyways, it, it was everything. And so when I saw it through my, my Facebook news stream, news feed, excuse me, Mm-hmm. I didn't know whether he had exited or there was a creative difference that they kick him out, that he choose to leave. But mostly what I saw was reactions of like, oh, thank God. Maybe somebody who actually knows what they're doing, they'll step in. Or it's like, no, I really liked the 2014. Mm-hmm. Why did he have to leave? I guess I'll have to pick a really good director to kind of fill that fill that role. But no, you are completely right. It was like a 50-50. It was hardcore hate. And hardcore, like, love and sadness. Yes, very much so. So, before we jump, the date it's been set now, Godzilla 2 will bow on March 22nd, 2019. And at the same time, Warner Brothers has also finally committed to Godzilla vs. King Kong, which is the tentative title, which is going to be 
you? Hold on, I had it right in front of me. I was looking right at it, and then all of a sudden I just looked away. Oh, this is professional as hell. Uh, da, 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 da. It was... Can I, can I call it? Oh, uh, opens May 29th, 2020. So, the end of the end of May, beginning of June. So, there you go. You, well, here, here's the thing. On that note, we get King Kong next year. We're still getting Pacific Rim 2 in 2018, so it's not like we're not going to have anything. We'll still have that. And then 2019 we get Godzilla 2, and then 2020 we get Godzilla vs. King Kong. So, on that note, we get something at once every year, barring anything the Toho is going to do now. So, right there, it, it, that's sound for jubilation. Now, as for Gareth leaving... I am honestly not surprised because the man went from doing Godzilla to a Star Wars film within the course of like 16 months. And the man's only directed three movies. He went from directing a teeny tiny little thing he pretty much self-produced himself to two massive Hollywood temples. And I got a feeling that that probably puts a strain on a human being where you're pretty much, you know... You get to do your own thing, but you're also under the tutelage of a massive studio system, and especially going from Warner's to Disney under Lucasfilm. I, I, he probably just was like, I, I can't, I can't do this for another year and a half. Like, I just don't have it in me. And I, I said in the past, I don't, I, I, I subscribe to the theory that unless the, a director is like, like personally involved in a project, like I, I could, I could say the the Nolan Batman films because he pretty much sculpted those. Like, the story, he, he pretty much took what Goyer gave him and then he worked his own kind of aesthetic into him. Like, he was telling his own story. He wasn't adapting any particular Batman whatsoever. So that's that was that that's that's one thing. But I also point out to Sam Raimi who did the original Spider-Man trilogy. It's like, we... Sam was... Okay, Sam coming back for two, great. He didn't need to come back for three and it really showed. Like... There's this weird ideology with, with the studio system right now that they're free to kind of mix it up every once in a while. That's at least, I give Marvel that, that they're willing to go outside their box. You know, um, occasionally they'll, you know, they brought back the Russo brothers for Cat America 3, which was amazing. Was it not, Jessica? <clears throat> Yes, it was. Civil War was great. And Jessica- I mean, no, no, no film is perfect, mm-hmm. but Civil War was pretty great. I actually had two people on my Facebook, and they're the only two people that I know because I combed through it. Mm-hmm. Um, one woman said the movie she felt meh during the entire film, mm-hmm. and then another friend said that the whole film was sad, depressing, hurt people, like hurt feelings. Of, you know, people with hurt feelings, and it was anti—it wasn't heroic, so he really didn't feel anything toward the film. Ask- and so that made—you know what—that made me kind of sad because I feel like, I mean, in a way, that is the point of the film, mm-hmm. but also they're missing the broader scope yes. of it. Very much so. But uh, but no no, Cap, I I personally enjoyed it very much. I I like it a lot. It, I'm hoping to go again next week to see it. Oh, I'm taking my dad for his birthday. Like that's we're we're going in like a week and a half. So I told him it's like because he he loves Cap. Cap America was his favorite growing up, and then he's also like a big Black Panther nut. Like he I showed him the preview a few months ago. He's like, 
he does, my dad does this thing where when he gets excited, he kind of puts his hands together and kind of like does this like tweaking motion to his face, like really like, ooh, like he gets, it's a weird thing that he does, but it's almost childish in a way, but that's, you get to really tell he's excited. Like I would have to visually show you guys, it's hard to describe, but yeah, when he saw Black Panther, he's like, oh yes, oh God. As he said, uh, I was reading a... He quote, he said something when I took him to see Avengers 2 last year, and it popped up on my Facebook feed. And as we're walking out, he proclaimed to the skies, we're walking out of the theater in Anaheim, California, he's, he turns to me, he's like, son, Viagra and CG, god damn, is it a great time to be an old man. And <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I can't write that. Like, I, you cannot make that up. So... He, he 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 loves those. He loves that. Ironically, he didn't like Captain America one. Like he wasn't a big fan of that one. But he loved he loved Captain America two much more. Loved the Avengers. Loves the Avengers movies. So he was very that's much a, good. He was very that's much a, good. He was a Marvel guy growing up. So, <clears throat> but uh, as, as we digress back into my point that uh, a a movie it, it when something hits, there's that ideology of like okay. The formula worked. Let's not break away from that. Well, part of that formula is, yeah, you have a certain amount of people. You have certain things. And sometimes you have a person, that, a director, that's coming in. Now, mind you, everyone likes to think that every director coming in is like, oh, this is their passion project, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, no, they, they have – some people have some passion for them. Other – like a studio system, there's a lot of them that are like you're kind of a you're, – you're a gun for hire almost. And, you know – there are people that want to do projects because you you do great with a big project that allows doors to be open to do your own projects. So uh, the uh, there are millions of cases. So it's like you do one, I do one. The uh, best example right now is Michael Bay. Paramount has had has strapped two chains to Michael Bay's legs and ar- chains around around his arms and just filled them with cash. And just like keep making Transformers movies for us, and he's like, "I'm I was done after two. They're like, "No, they keep making money, and we think you're the main reason," which shows a short-sightedness on Paramount's part. Now, he's doing part five, and I'm pretty sure he's just like, "Okay, let's," like he's getting up, he's he's gonna blindly walk through the whole thing. Say what you will about those films, I still I love Transformers one. I think there's a magic to it. Two's two is pure crap, but that's. A lot of it has to do with the writer's strike. Three is mediocre. Four is an insane roller coaster that I couldn't get enough of. I loved four for very different reasons that I loved one. So, uh, but I I do feel that Michael Bay needs to step away. Let somebody else come in and let them you know take a crack at it. Paramount doesn't want to do that because they each film makes a billion damn dollars each outing. So. What do you do? So the the last time they're like, Michael, would you direct part four? He's like, No, I'm done. Okay, if we give you enough money, we will give you your ne- we will let you pick your next two projects. Okay, I'll direct four. And thus he get to make Pain and Gain, which even Michael Bay has pro- has has trouble getting movies off the ground, and that was one of them. And they're like, We'll we'll do Pain and Gain for you. And then then he got to do the uh, Benghazi movie after that. That was. That was another one of his smaller flicks. In order to do that, he had to do Transformers 5. So that's kind of how it works. It's also like how Warrior Brothers has bat- has been athlete right now is Batman. They're like, if you do Batman for us, we will let you do whatever the hell you want. He got a black card 
like a black uh, like Amex card to do whatever he wants on that lot, and he will get to make whatever movie he wants as long as he puts on that cowl and puts on 50 pounds of muscle every 11 and a half months. So that's the world <laughs> we live in. And that's the sad reality of it. So, Gareth Edwards, pretty much new to the scene, gets an opportunity to do Godzilla. It, we all like to we all like to think that like oh every director going in is a fan and we've seen what happens when non fans do it. We've also seen what happens when true fans do it. We see, but then we also see examples. Case in point, Gareth probably knew Godzilla. He, he, I think he's mentioned in, in uh, interviews. He's like yeah I, I you know I know guys I've seen many of the movies. He understood the character. He understood you know what legendary what Thomas Tall and all of them really were aiming for. He's like all right we can I can do this. And he delivered a, a damn good movie. I know some people don't like the legendary film, but uh, deep down, you have to admit, it is heads and tails above better than the Sony film. So, he at least gave us something that resembles a Godzilla movie, at the minimum. At the best, he gave us a great-looking Godzilla film. Yes, it's a little frustrating with the whole, you know, hide the, the, the monster aspect, and every, and it wasn't his fault that, you know, Brian Cranston was heavily promoted in the film and dies, you know, in the first act. That's not his fault. That's, uh, that's Legendary's marketing department's fault. Um, but that being said, great movie. Then Sony, or uh, Lucasfilm comes along as he's, you know, finishing this up and like, hey, we're doing all these cool Star Wars films. Would you like to do one? He's like, uh, I was going to take a you know, break, but what do you got? And then they show him Rogue One. He's like, I would be an idiot to pass this up. He even said it himself at, at Celebration. He's like, I was like knee-deep in a post-production on Godzilla. They offered it to me. And he's, he, he Kathleen Kennedy almost kind of gave him an eye because he's like, I would be an effing idiot not to do this. So, and he is a much more of a Star Wars nut than he is a Godzilla fan. So that was more like his... Like, you can tell in that, that Rogue One trailer, like, there's a lot more love going in that, like, that he's having, like, a better time doing that than, than Godzilla, which he probably was like, yeah, this is great, I get to finally expand with a budget, but Star Wars is like, that's that's getting to play in the sandbox he always wanted to. But it still takes time, still takes a lot of energy, and jumping right back into Godzilla 2, I'm, I got a feeling he's just, he probably just went to Legendary's like, guys, I'm, I can't, I need, I need, like, six months off. I can't jump right back in, go right back into production. Just, I'm pretty sure there's someone else out there that would be great to do it. And thus, they left amicably. The, the, there were the, the reports where there was no hard feelings. They understand this kind of thing happens all the time. So, and plus, Rogue One's going to make an insane amount of money. And if it doesn't, that means hell has frozen over. And America no longer cares. Um, that is true. That so is very true. Gareth Edwards will be able to do whatever the hell he wants to do for his next film, depending on whatever it is. As long as it's, you know, not murdering children on screen for, you know, for the entertainment of clowns, he can do whatever the hell he wants. And he does he probably will. He'll probably do something small. He'll take like a year off because he's made probably a decent amount of cash, you know, off these last two films that he could probably live a little comfortably. And just, you know, sit back and let someone else take the reins on something. And then figure out where to go from there. So, now, leaves the big question, Jessica, that everyone has been going on about. 
who does Legendary replace Gareth Edwards with? Who knows? I have no idea. Excuse me, I almost choked. Mm -hmm. I was like so passionately thinking. <laughs> um, I have no idea. Like I know people. Like people were naming all kinds of smaller independent directors. Some people still harp on Guillermo, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know actually, to be honest. And right there, you nailed it on the head. Nobody knows. Nobody knows at this point in time, except maybe Thomas Toll and whoever is on the production team for Godzilla Two. So then, pushing, oh yeah, then pushing yeah. it back a year meant we don't have anybody at this point. Like. We need to find somebody new and probably, you know, probably take another – because whoever comes on board is going to want to look at the script, and they're probably going to take a crack at the script, make some changes, and go from there. So here's the thing. Everyone online started throwing out their dream list of who can direct this movie. And it's the same dream list that whenever huge projects announced, these are the same guys that get brought up every single time. It's much like – Hey, there, Jessica, there's going to be a Booster Gold movie. Guess who should play Booster Guess who we think should play Booster Gold? Who? Nathan Fillion. Because Nathan Fillion should be in everything. That's the kind of answer you get. Everyone was going on about, oh, Chris Nolan should do it. Uh, just not Michael Bay. Not, not uh, you know, not, what? well, not uh, uh, Zack Snyder. Or, you know, Guillermo should be doing it. And then the more ridiculous ones, like, oh, no, no, it should... They should get a Japanese director. It should take place in Japan. More like a Toho film. And all this other crap. This insane ramblings of people who kind of don't understand how things work. And not only that, but tend to think there are only like eight directors working in Hollywood right now. I, I got into head-bashing arguments with people online over like, none of these choices are ever going to happen. Steven Spielberg's never going to direct it. Because he's Steven Spielberg. He does what he wants. And not only that, but he's got Ready Player One coming out, which may or may not have some uh, kaiju action in it. If you read the book, it's got a lot of tokusatsu robots in it. And deep down, I'm hoping against hope that, uh, that whoever's producing that film gets the licenses for those because there is a strong possibility, Jessica, that Steven Spielberg could be directing a scene with uh, Leo Pardon, the giant robot from the Spider-Man uh, Toei series. Now, if that happens, you could, you, I could go jump in a volcano and I would die happy to see that brought to screen, brought, brought to life. Something tells me it may not happen, but if it does happen, oh, lose my mind. But yeah, Spielberg's not going to do it. Chris Nolan does his own thing. He's never going to lower himself to do, and I, I mean this in the most sincere way. He's never gonna bring. He's never gonna stop to do a Godzilla movie. That's not his thing. Ironically, you know who might do a Godzilla movie and said in the past he actually would love to jump in and do a Godzilla movie is Darren Aronofsky. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. I he, mean, he his name was up for like Batman Year One, mm -hmm. Justice League, like for so many things. Yes, Aronofsky actually is for the the films he makes. He's actually quite the film nerd when it comes to it. Like, he was attached to do RoboCop at one point. The RoboCop that we got, like, two years ago, he was actually supposed to direct that. And then he moved off of it to do Black Swan instead. So that's when we got uh, uh, Jose Palad Paladin, I think was his name, to, that came in and directed it. But Aronofsky Estate is like, yeah, I want to do... If you, if you watch Noah, Noah is a giant comic book film in its own right. Noah is... 
bat shit insane. Did you see Noah, Jessica? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is so so interesting. <laughs> I like it. I like I like Jessica's like maneuvering of like it wasn't. Oh, it's uh yeah, it's special. <laughs> There's a there are giant rock angels, not monsters, angels in this. Uh, it's I sat there watching it with my I took my grandmother. She's like, oh, we're gonna watch a movie about Noah, and then there's two old there are two old women sitting in front of us, real churchy. So the first 20 minutes of the film goes on, and then all of a sudden, Russell Crowe is talking to Nick Nolte's voice that's coming out of a giant rock monster. My grandmother turns to me and is like, "What is going on here?" And I lean forward. I'm like, "I don't know, but I, this is the greatest thing in the history of ever." And I'm li- I'm kind of like paying attention to two women. They're like, "This wasn't in the Bible." And thus, it oh, it just it went down a path of insanity, and I'm just like, uh, this is what happens when, when no one says no to you, and it was a splendid car wreck of a film, and I loved every minute of it for it. It was yeah, I mean like, I'm for those who don't know, I am Christian. Mm-hmm. However, I accept change. Like I understand. You know, you you need to stay truthful to many of the core foundations, yeah. but not everything translates mm-hmm. and everything. There, I mean, there are some, you know, the rock angels, I can let that go, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there were some stuff straight up insane, like Noah goes murderous. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is going on. Like, I don't, that's not part of the core foundation of the character. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, no, Noah is all kinds of stuff. Um, I was like, huh. Like, I was actually okay up until, like, the first half. I was like, all right, sure. Emma Watson's in it now. Mm-hmm. All right, I can flow with that. And then toward the end, when he's on this weird, like, he wants to kill the baby and everything, I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Like, at that point, I was like, I, I was like, oh no, man, I I gotta I gotta check out. Like even with um, I would say like little boy God, mm-hmm. like God represented as a little boy. I can be like, I mean, I prefer the great voice overhead that might sound like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. But I was like, okay, you know, visually people cannot see a God; they can hear it. If he represents himself as a little boy, maybe that's less threatening. I mean, that little boy was downright creepy. Yes. But I was like, okay, maybe. It was the end where I was like, what is happening? Um, yeah, at that point, I was like, what? It was, it was, it was a different type of train wreck. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it, the equivalent you could compare it to is like, they, they, someone would adapt, let's say, uh, Dark Knight Returns. They put Dark Knight Returns on the big screen. And at the end, he doesn't fight Superman. Instead, he and Green Arrow go out for ice cream. <laughs> that that's that that's the that would be the the systematic change that they made to the story. So, Darren Aronofsky is still a possible contender, but I doubt he'd, he'd do it. But then again, Noah did not make a lot of money back, so that was a very costly um, endeavor on his part. So he might need to take an, he might need to take a studio film to kind of get back some you know some goodwill. Uh, you know, you're not gonna see, look. Uh, 
there, there's a ton of names out there everyone's throwing around. More likely, they're not going to do it. More than likely, we're going to see somebody much smaller that can work within the studio system, that's willing to, you know, work with, with Legendary and, and kind of keep the the look of the film that Gareth Edwards set before them. Now, they add their own little thing here and there, but it has a good visual eye, can, can put together some fights and stuff like that. You know, people have been, you know, I've, I've seen people banter around, like, Alex Garland. I'm like, yeah, he, you know Alex Garland would probably do good. If you, you know who Alex Gar- Garland is, he wrote many of uh, the movies that Danny Boyle did back in the, his early days. He also wrote Dread, which I love, because it's an awesome movie. And Dread is amazing, Dread, yes. I can, I, Dread is this generation's RoboCop. I love every single second of that movie. I just remember getting up halfway through when uh, um, uh, what's your name from 300 mows down the entire you know midsection block with the Gatling gun and uh, when they're waiting yeah. when they're waiting for the dust to clear and they're like is he dead and you just see Dread walk out of the smoke grab a dude and toss him over the edge to fall to his death like ni- 900 stories down and as she's watching go watching this body fall she looks back up and dread just walking back into the into the dust like a ghost and i'm just like oh my god yes i love this yes, film. it's like a batman moment oh god so and carl urban doesn't take off the helmet which is how it should be and, and yeah. by the way i love love me some carl urban man is a very underappreciated actor but uh, i digress once again jessica because uh yeah, we're all caught up in it's. It's a bit of a mess. We and again, we probably won't know. Probably till maybe early next year, you know, who's coming on board to direct it. I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of. Again, there's a lot of ideas out there. You know, I, I always felt Louis Leterrier could probably do a good, you know, Godzilla movie, but I don't know if he'll ever work with Legendary again after Clash of the Titans. Um, yeah, that is very true. Yeah, a lot. I don't think a lot of people know what happened with that movie. That he got, that movie kind of got taken out of his hands. And even Thomas Toll admitted, like, yeah, we kind of bungled that because there was a there was a lot of like, should we do this, do that? There was, I mean, there were a whole Danny Houston, who uh, had uh, a whole arc in there. He was Poseidon. He had a whole running. He had like a a whole sub arc, and they edited that all out. There was a lot of stuff that was cut out. Um, so I, I don't know if we'd ever see Louis Leterrier come back and work with Legendary again, sadly. Uh, he's a very underappreciated... I love his Incredible Hulk movie. It's great. And Unleashed is an amazing movie. Um, you know, deep, deep down, you know, my you know fan casting for me would be, you know, another Gareth, Gareth Edvin, uh, Evans. But um, I don't know that, you know, doing big budget like that's in his wheelhouse. I think he's like sticking with his martial arts films. By the way, go watch The Raid if anybody hasn't seen The Raid. It's yeah. making me... Yes. Can you imagine a Godzilla 2 movie with Taron Gilliam? Oh. Uh, you distill my heart, Jessica. <laughs> uh, you gotta get my hopes up like that. I, I'm a I'm a Terry Gilliam, like, whore. I love... Fear and Loathing Las Vegas is my all-time favorite movie. All-time. I love Terry. I love everything Terry. I even love Tideland. I know a lot of people are turned off by Tideland because they're like, this is a creepy, creepy movie. And even says, you got to see it through the eyes of a kid. And you watch it from that perspective, like, oh, this is a very, I mean, it's a weird film, but it's it's a very innocent film. But if you don't, it's a very creepy film. But Terry Gilliam is a, an amazing director who just has the, the shittiest of luck when it comes to making movies. He most famously... 
He tried to make a movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote uh, with Johnny Depp about going on 15 years ago now. And uh, it fell apart, like, in three days of the shooting. They actually made a documentary about it called Lost in La Mancha. And you can see just pretty much if, if there is a god, he did not want Terry Gilliam to make that movie. Like, he did not want him to make that movie. And here's another thing, too. Uh, J.K. Rowling actually wanted Terry Gilliam to direct the first Harry Potter movie, too. She's like, he's my first choice. I love Monty Python. I love all his movies. And she was like, yeah, okay. And they went and talked to him, and they're like, okay, we'll, we'll put you up for consideration. And then it went to Chris Columbus. It's like, yeah, you think of Harry Potter. Well, at the time, Harry Potter was not Harry Potter, but, it, you know, you go for the guy that made Home Alone instead. So, which uh, was really sad. Terry, he, he could have made a fantastic Harry Potter film, like, if given the chance. But then again, you know, that's just, just the way the cookie crumbles. But go on, watch, watch, like, um, Fisher King. Like, have you, you've seen Fisher King, haven't you, Jessica? Jessica? Oh. oh, sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, I heard you. Yeah. It was great always listening to, like, how excited you get in your rants. Well, you got me on Terry Gilliam, and I, I love, like, like Fisher, like, I, uh, like, there's many things, many loves in my life. Like, anything Robin Williams ever touched is one of them. And so, Garrett, Terry Gilliam and Robin Williams, like, Fisher King is a, just, like, it's poetry put on screen. So, see, did you, did you like Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? I did. It's not, it's not a great film, but considering what happened, like, they made, they made the best out of what they, what, about, they made the best with what they had, considering the situation. Um, those who don't know, that was that was Heath Ledger's last film. He was in the middle of filming it when he accidentally OD'd. So they filmed the movie has a um, a, a real world sequence and like a fantasy world sequence, and they filmed all the real world stuff with um, with Heath Ledger, and then everything in the fantasy world hadn't been done yet. So they rewrote it to accommodate. Uh, an aspect of like if you go in there if you go into this into this imaginary world like it reflects your your form changes like the doctor and it it reflects your personality so in order to kind of you know to cover the fact that ledger was no longer around uh gilliam called in some favors he had johnny depp um oh and um colin farrell and one other guy i forgot who the other one was but they came in to cover and you know portray him in the uh, in the mirror world it it you could definitely tell that they had to do a lot of reworking which was sad because what i heard the original cut was really great and it features a young andrew garfield too pre uh pre uh, uh social network and spider-man <clears throat> it's a good movie not it's not a, it's not a great movie but it's a good movie i can hear your dog like in the background <laughs> For those who don't know, Jessica's been uh, been, been very uh, attached with her dog lately. How is your puppy doing, Jessica? My puppy's doing a lot better. Is if he? you guys can hear him in the background, he's snoring. <laughs> so I apologize if there's like a there's like a sound in the background. <laughs> there's just there's a little like mm -hmm. like is he doing that little leg kick thing too? 
Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Dreaming, dreaming of many wonderful puppy things. Yes, yes, he's being his little puppy self. Is he? On he the- has a husky. Yeah, he has a husky friend that's gonna like both husky as the breed and and in, and in his size. Mm. Um, that will be that that joins him sometimes in the snoring. Uh, so, is he on the mend? Uh, yeah, he is. Oh, good. Good, but but real quick, Jessica. One of Jessica's uh, fabled uh, puppies was uh, not doing so well there for a while, but he's he's doing much better though. So that's good. oh yes, yeah, he is. It was not it was not great. No, but you can't tell with Teddy those eyes of his just staring into your soul. They they do look they do look uh sometimes it's like I know what he's doing, and then sometimes he just looks like. He's just not there. He's lost. Like he's got a. He has a constant thousand-yard stare. Like he actually looks like an Ewok. So, like, if you look into an Ewok's eyes, it's like there is intelligence, but yet there isn't. He's he's he does look like Wicked a little bit. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. His middle name is Wicked. So did you ever try to put like the little yeah. like? Did you ever try to put like the little um the hood on him and everything? I do. I do have a little. I have a little Ewok costume for him. <laughs> oh. Okay, I can't get that in my head now. That's that's too. That's it's it's that's too much. So. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. He's adorable. Yeah, he's a little puppy. That's why. But uh, anyway, yeah, Godzilla two. It's yeah, just. It, it the world could just stop and just let Legendary run its course. It, it look it, in mm-hmm. the end. Warner Brothers isn't calling the, the complete shots with it because they're only co-financing the film. Like there you go again. There you go. See there he is. There he is. You hear him? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, Legendary is still calling the shots in the creative end. Uh, it's not like the Warner Brothers films or the DC films or the Warner Brothers is calling the, the shots completely. Which by the way, uh, real quick. Uh, what do you think of Jeff Johns, you know, stepping up to uh, kind of oversee everything, Kevin Feige style? Uh, I do think it's great. It's I think it's John Berg and Jeff yeah. Johns. I think they're co they're co doing it, uh, head of a uh, DC film. Yes. And I really think that's a great idea. I wish it was something that was kind of put into their hands a lot earlier, a lot at least do. into Jeff Johns's hands a lot earlier. Yeah. But I know that he did a Manhattan press conference and he's looking forward to bringing hope and optimism back into the film. Well, so I think that's a really great thing. Well, I mean, that that's the whole thing. That's that's the one thing that the earlier film, like, that's what the whole the whole thing in general on Warner's side lacked, was like a, 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 a cohesive voice. Like, there wasn't any one person overseeing everything. There looked like there was like a whole cabal. And when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, that's where you start getting things uh, kind of mumbled a bit. So I, it, I'm glad that they, they – that's the one thing I always, say, that I always said they should take from Marvel. It's like get somebody that knows what they're doing and then, then have them run the show. So having Fahey and uh, the other dude who's – pretty much you got the comic side and the, and the movie industry side kind of working together. That – now they can sit down, map out – and again – the DC films don't have to follow a phase plan like Marvel is. They can still do their own thing. They don't have to copy Marvel completely, but do have, like, an idea of where you're going. 
at least. And, and you know, that, that would help. That's going to help a hell of a lot. So I'm quite excited about that. And he's going to still keep producing The Flash, too. Oh, yeah, that would be great. Just good times. All right. Yeah. Um, moving on because it's late and I have to be on a flight to Hawaii in about seven and a half hours. Um, what? It, uh, 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 oh, Jessica. Yeah. Inform the good people what's going on with Sanrio. Yes. So Sanrio has a character. It's an anthropomorphic egg. It's a lazy egg. It looks like a sunny side up egg. You're going to have to Google it. And his name is Gudetama. And it's like G-U-D-E-T-A-M-A. And apparently because of Shin Godzilla coming out and the popularity of this character that Sanrio has, they did a special collaboration that's coming out where it's Godzilla and also this cute little anthropomorphic egg, uh, Gudetama. And so it's not just going to be, I know that, you know, Hello Kitty had one with Godzilla and also with Ultraman, but from what I understand, they're more like tiny keychain charms. Yeah. Uh, this is full on going to be t-shirts, uh, notebooks, backpacks, you know, I, I'm sure pencils, whatever it is, it's going to have a bunch of stuff. So I, 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 I'm very, very, very excited. <laughs> she, Jessica kind of, uh, she, she uh, tagged me with it in, on Facebook when she found out about it, and she just said, I'm going to be completely broke this summer. And I was like, no money! Because adorable things are Jessica's uh, Achilles heel, if you will. Yes, especially crossover with something that I love. Mm. Hell yes. <laughs> Which then I brought up, it's like, well, maybe the one day they need to do a Hello Kitty thing. And within half a minute, she tags me with like 15 pictures. Like, oh no, oh no, no. They've done stuff already. And she's tagging me with like Hello Kitty in an Ultraman outfit, Hello Kitty in a Geeter outfit. I'm pretty sure there's a Bats Maru in there somewhere with something, with dresses, some sort of kaiju. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Mother of God, it doesn't end. Like, you cannot defeat Hello Kitty or anything Sanrio does. No, no, you can't. That that simple minimalistic cat will take over the world, and it already kind of has. It pretty much did it by way of getting on all your, uh, on every girl's uh, uh, school equipment. That's all they had to do. All the pencils, your, yeah. rulers, <laughs> your trapper keepers, your pen boxes. Just throw that kitty and all her friends right on it, and uh, yeah, there you go. You're enslaved. You are enslaved. Ugh. <clears throat> so, one last bit before we uh, call it a, uh, a night. Uh, Jessica, there is... IDW made the big announcement yes. for their next Godzilla yes, series. Yes, they did. So, right now we're coming up to issue three of Oblivion, which is rocking it pretty good. I've been enjoying it. But they're going back to the from hell, Godzilla in Hell format with the next series, which is it's Godzilla Rage uh, Rage, Across, Rage Across Time? Yes, because it, the first, it's a Feudal Japan. Yes. And the first issue will be written by none other than Jeremy Robinson of Project Nemesis fame, who we've had on this show. And, of course, will be drawn by the great Matt Frank. 
So that was the uh, the big news today. Uh, the great Chris Mowry, as I as I love to refer to him as, uh, tweeted it early out, and I'm just like, oh right, awesome. So uh, pretty much, uh, it's going to be good times. It's going to be another five part mini series. Uh, they're going to announce probably the other writers. So because the beauty the beauty about this format is that. Godzilla, you know, it's you know a different time frame for him. I, how, what the what 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 the whole thing about it is? I don't care. Matt Frank did an awesome looking cover for it, um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. And then of course, Maori also said uh, at, because so he said someone asked if I'm going to be writing a, an issue. He put in quotation marks. Only time will tell. So he's being cute, which pretty much means he's probably going to be writing an issue too. That yes, that would be wonderful. Yes, uh, Chris is good people. And, uh, him yes, he is good man. If you ever see him at a convention, stop yeah. and say hi. Give hi, give him a high five, give him a low five. Tell him Chris Jessica said say hey yo. But uh, yeah, uh, do. But that comes out in August. Uh, yes. So once um, Oblivion uh, wraps up. Jump right back into the next one, which is awesome. There's no, uh, there's no wait like there was last time with uh, between um, in hell and uh, obli- uh, in oblivion, where it's like, oh, what's going on here? It's like, no, no, they, they got stuff lined up. It's good times. So, uh, okay, it's uh, this is going to be kind of a short uh, episode because, as I said, I got to be on a flight to Hawaii in a few hours. Um, we wanted to talk about the shenanigans with uh, Legendary. Uh, we're, I mean, Jessica, we realize we're about two months away from Shin Godzilla. Yes, so excited. Oh. End of July. We're also, we're also three weeks away from Voltron debuting on uh, Netflix, too. Oh, I know. Yeah, June 10th. Yes. Uh, we will not be leaving our home. Nope, nope. Um, in fact, uh, we're, I'll be doing a rundown uh, on the Realmcast with uh, my good buddy uh, Eddie Dilworth. We uh, did one for Cora, and uh, when I showed him the uh, the trailer, he's like, "Oh, I didn't know this was going to be good." I'm like, "Of course, it's from the same people that did Cora." And he's like, "Oh, now we got to watch it." So we're going to follow up our Studio Mirror uh, podcasting with uh, the uh, a rundown podcast for uh, Voltron, which uh, again. The, the trailers aren't even doing it anywhere near justice. This thing is going to be amazing. I guarantee Yes. I, oh, it's going to be so much. I couldn't wait after what, the, again, shed a tear, Jessica. Shed one tear, like, like like that Indian when someone threw that cup on the side of the road. But it was just a tear of joy. It's just like they, they finally did it. Someone finally cracked it. So, and then hopefully in the next week or next few weeks we get another Shin Godzilla trailer. Uh, we're coming up pretty close to the uh, to the release date, so uh, hopefully we get a little something more. There's so much speculation going on; nobody knows anything. I think that's the way Toho likes it right now. Um, hopefully, we'll also hear something of stateside release because there's a lot of um, tomfoolery going on with that, but there are no concrete answers as to what's going on. Just that new world, not the old new world that released Godzilla 1985. This is apparently a new company. They have the distribution rights for it, and they said, just stay tuned. We got stuff lined up. I'm like, okay. I've never heard of you people, but you got to start somewhere. So Lionsgate was not Lionsgate until 
they uh, they picked up uh, dogma and saved it from uh, oblivion. So, once well, so I just need you need to you know take a gamble or something. Um, again, by the time I'm putting this up right after we uh, finish recording this, so if you hear this this weekend and you're in Hawaii, if you happen to be in Honolulu, I will be out there for the amazing Hawaii Comic Con. I'll be working it with my good buddy George Cordero. We'll be at the CBC booth. So come check us out there. Uh, there's a lot of good people. Like Chris Claremont's going to be out there. I'm going to have him sign my X-Men book with uh, Rachel Gray with the uh, Phoenix stamp on it. Ooh. Yeah, it's one of my favorite covers. I tried to find the um, X-Men issue with Cap and Black Widow and Wolverine on the cover that Jim did. Just I, I only found it one place, and they wanted $35 for it. I told them to go to hell. But, uh, okay. It's, no, that's not that. It's a wall book, but it's not a wall book that that can draw that kind of money. I don't care. I don't care what they say. It's like that's a fifteen dollar book at minimum. So, but it's such a good cover. I love that. Oh, I had a poster of that when I was a kid. It was a little mini poster, but that was uh, that was always like one of the. That's one of the greatest images of Captain America ever drawn. The way Jim drew him in that in that that cover, just, just pure American muscle right there. And then yes, and then my favorite Wolverine, the brown and uh, the brown and uh, gold Wolverine, and then uh, you got '80s Black Widow with the short hair and the uh, the gray suit too. Oh God, it's just so good. Ah, oh, great, great. Oh, I love the I love X Men. I'm gonna, I love X Men. So, but uh, I know I'm having Jim sign my Batman Hush. So that's what Jim will be signing because he is next to impossible to get at Comic Con. So. Oh yes, of course. So yeah, so if you're in Hawaii, good time to meet come come meet Jim Lee because he's good people and uh, yeah, he's he's also a pain in the butt to try to get an autograph from. Not his own fault. It's just the fact that he's that damn popular and he's also doing a million things too. So um, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. Uh, do, do not take this as me speaking ill will of Jim Lee. I will never do such a thing. Dan did I on the other hand, I'll I'll I'll, I'll reserve my uh, my judgment for later. <clears throat> What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, on that note, too, um, what other bits of news? Uh, oh, might have something lined up for um, G Fest. Stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm waiting to hear from somebody about something, so I've just got to leave it at that. But we will be out there. Um, we're just gonna, we're. We'll, We'll be out there all, all, uh, all three. You're going to be out there a little earlier too, aren't you, aren't you Jessica? Yes, I will be. I will be. Okay. Yes. Um, it was also our only way to secure a hotel. Yeah, like you're going out like two, three days before I am, before I can get out there. So. <coughs> Just be Excuse me. Yeah. Choked on my own saliva due to excitement. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah. I will be there, I think, two to three days before you do, and also one day after you. Mm. Immediately fly back. We have Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we might have something for that, too. <clears throat> Maybe. We'll, we'll know in a few weeks, right? Yes, we will. We uh, will know in a few weeks. Oh, God. It's, it's just it's going to murder us. I think I might skip Anime Expo this year. So. Uh, because people have to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And uh, not only that, but I'm taking a stance against them right now, too. So... That's that's a podcast for another day. Um, oh, another quick bit of business. Um, I have begun a column, or I'm taking over a column on the Tokusatsu Network. I will be uh, writing a monthly um, monthly piece in their film club 
section, so check that out. The first one should be going up mm, a thir the Thursday from when this is released. So I believe the 27th? 26th? 27th? Um, and uh, I do like a nice little rundown on uh, King Kong Escape. So that will be every third Thursday of each month on the tokusatsunetwork.com. Check it out there. They're good people. I keep I can't recommend it enough. Um, they do. They, they they cover far more in, in terms of Ultraman and anything else like that that, that we could ever we could ever hope to cover. So, all right. Well, I am done rambling. I have to go get some shut eye. Jessica has to go cuddle with her puppies, and uh, the world must turn. So, on that note, Jessica, where can the people find more of our work? You can find us on Facebook. We are the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are also on Tumblr, mm -hmm. and also our Gmail is also the same, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Only our Twitter is different, which is just the Kaiju Kingdom, due to a character limitation. Mm -hmm. But also, we are on iTunes, where you can listen to us, and I do believe we're also on Roundcast. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So, and check us out there. Um, if you ever want to get a hold of me, just find us on the, just hit me up on the uh, the Facebook page. I'm always on there. Anything, nine times out of ten, anything you see posted is me. Uh, so just feel free to, to hit us up there. And then uh, while you're on the Realmcast, you can check out our other podcasts we got going on. We have uh, Take Two, hosted by myself and my good buddy George Cordero. That's all the uh, movie news and other muck that's fit to rake for the week. And uh, Comics Unchained, hosted by my good buddy Sergio Sanchez. I'm kind of sitting in on with him on that one right now, too. Uh, next episode, we're gonna we're gonna delve into those sweet Hanna Barbera DC titles there that are out. So, talk about some future quests and some Scooby Doo. Yeah, getting real. Uh, also, we have a um, I put out a special uh, podcast this week because there is no take two due to us being in Hawaii. Um, it is a 20th anniversary retrospective of Beast Wars. So, I sit down with my good buddy Eddie Dilworth and we uh, wrap all things Transformers on that one. So. So it's a good two hours of um, my nasally voice and my buddy Eddie and us being giddy like five-year-olds over a show we, we, we still love very dearly to this day. So, so Teddy's calling you. He's uh, telling, telling her to wrap this up. That's what we were going to do. <laughs> so uh, that, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast for myself and... Jessica! Thanks for listening. 